ARE Study Guide Podcast. Hi, welcome to another episode of the ARE Study Guide Podcast. Today we are going to talk about road design and site access. The two biggest ways people are going to access our sites is going to be by car and by foot, presumably. Of course, they could also be accessing by bicycles or public transit. But generally speaking, for most sites, let's just assume people are going to be getting there by foot or by car. So first, we'll talk about pedestrians, and then we'll talk about roads, which is going to be a little more complex. So for pedestrians, imagine you're walking to a building. And there's this long, windy path that will just totally take you out of your way to get to the front door. And then there's a grass field, and you can just walk right through the grass field to get to the front door. Most people are going to walk through the grass field. They won't bother with the windy road because it's going to take them longer. So when we design pedestrian paths, we always want to make the most direct route possible. This will help the pedestrian stay safe and not mess with our landscaping. When designing a pedestrian path, we always want to avoid and minimize conflicts with cars. So as much as possible, we want to keep the pedestrians and the cars separated. In large parking lots, we should have pedestrian paths separate from the path of cars. All right now, so let's talk about roads. With roads, there's some terminology we need to discuss. First, we have a cartway. A cartway is the portion of the road that's designated for cars. Tangents, or what we call straight sections of road. A crown is the center of the roadway. And it's called a crown because it's gonna be the highest point. The center of the road should be the highest to allow for drainage to go down to the sides. Let's cover some basic principles of road design. All of these things are gonna make a lot of sense, but they're probably not things that you've thought of before. So if you have a long, wide, straight street in a neighborhood and you have a sign that says 25 miles per hour, what is the chance that people are actually going to go 25 miles per hour? It's a big, wide street. You can see down it. You know, people are going to be thinking, oh, I can go faster. If any kid runs out into the street, I'll be able to see him in time. So in general, we want roads that are at the local level to be smaller to discourage people from speeding. If it's a one-way road, you can have a minimum width of 12 feet. If it's a two-way road, a minimum width of 24 feet. A road should be sloped a minimum of a quarter inch per foot. In the United States, roundabouts aren't very common. However, they are shown to have less car accidents than traffic signals. So they're safer and they're also cheaper because traffic signals can cost about $5,000 per year for operation and maintenance. So although roundabouts aren't very common, they are a great design solution. When your building is located near a street intersection, provide a minimum of 150 feet between the traffic intersection and the entrance to your site. You wanna pull your entrance away from the intersection to create a safe place for people to enter and exit into your building site. 
When you have a windy road, provide a hundred feet between curves of opposite direction. So say you're turning right on a big curve, you need a hundred feet of straight road before you're expected to turn left. Imagine you're driving down Highway 1 in California. I don't know if you guys have been on that road, but some parts of it can be quite treacherous. Imagine you're driving and you're turning right, and then there's going to be another right turn. You want to provide 200 feet of straight road before you turn again. Can you imagine if you just have to keep turning in the same direction? It becomes pretty easy to lose control in those situations. So when you're expected to turn in the same direction, provide 200 feet of straight road in between those turns. And then when you're going to be turning in an opposite direction, provide 100 feet of straight road between those turns. When you're laying out your site, in general, you want it to be as easy as possible for people to access your building. So wherever possible, avoid making people drive through a parking lot to reach the building entrance or a loading area. You want everything to be as direct as possible. So the service entrance should be separate and people that are going to the service entrance shouldn't have to go through the primary parking lot to get there. People that are going to the primary building entrance either to enter the building or to drop someone off, they shouldn't have to go through a giant parking lot to get there. When you're thinking of site access, you need to consider how emergency vehicles are gonna access your site. A good number to remember is that fire trucks need a minimum turning radius of 50 feet. Parking lot design. All right, let's talk about some basic parking lot design. So, Generally, there's two types of parking. You could have surface parking, which is when you just have pavement on the ground, cars park outside, and then you can have parking structures, which are buildings containing parking. The benefit of a parking structure is that it's gonna use less land because you can stack levels. Whereas with a surface parking, you're gonna have to cover more land to get the same number of parking spaces. When you're in a parking structure, you probably notice that there's a lot of openings. Right, there almost always there's lots of openings to the outside. This is because you have to have that much natural ventilation. You know, cars are exhausting a ton of fumes that are really toxic. So those openings are to allow for natural ventilation to keep the air as fresh as possible. The building code has requirements for how open a parking structure needs to be. And if the structure does not meet that amount of opening, mechanical ventilation will be required. Parking can be described as single-loaded or double-loaded. Single-loaded is when there's parking only on one side of the aisle. Double-loaded is when there's parking on both sides of the aisle. In general, when you have one-way traffic paths through a parking lot or parking structure, one-way is going to prevent accidents. When you're trying to figure out how many parking spaces to have, in general, it's always a good idea to have the minimum required by code because this will encourage people to select alternative modes of transportation. And it's also going to reduce the amount of impervious surfaces that you're adding to the site. Zoning ordinances will usually set the number of required parking spaces for a building. And they will often include the number of standard, compact, electric, and carpool spaces, depending on the jurisdiction as well as their required sizes. 
to figure out how many accessible parking spaces you need. That's going to be in chapter five of the ADA. Typically for standard cars, you can assume that it's going to, the parking space can be like nine feet wide and 18 to 20 feet long. Compact cars are going to be eight feet wide by 16 feet long. So you can approximately estimate that one parking space is 350 square feet. When you have a one-way aisle, parking spaces should be angled between 45 and 75 degrees. 75 degrees is going to make the most efficient parking lot, but 60 degrees will be the most comfortable for cars to get in and out of. So remember, one-way aisles, that's when traffic is just going in one direction. Parking spaces at 60 degrees will be the most comfortable. Parking spaces at 75 degrees will give you the most efficient use of space. For two-way aisles, that's when there's going to be traffic going in both directions. Parking spaces should be at 90 degrees so that cars from either direction can park on either side. Parking lots need to be sloped for drainage. The minimum slope is 1.5%, but 5% maximum. All the corners in a parking lot should be rounded with a 4 foot radius minimum. Have you ever been in a parking lot and they have those sharp corners and you're always scared that you're going to hit the corner with your back tire as you're turning? Yeah, we don't want to design that. Have a corner radius, four feet minimum. In parking structures, the minimum clearance is seven feet. All right, so service docks. That's something we definitely need to consider when we're designing our building. Big trucks are going to bring deliveries to our buildings. This, these service areas need to be separate from pedestrian and automobile routes. The size of the space is going to need to be able to account for the size of the truck and how much space it needs to turn around. Depending on where the building is and the building use, the zoning ordinances may provide space requirements for service areas. The loading berth is where cargo vehicles load and unload. The dimensions for a loading berth are 10 to 12 feet wide, 40 feet long, with a minimum 14 foot clearance. 10 to 12 feet wide, 40 feet long, and a minimum 14 foot clearance. The service area should have a minimum 60 foot turning radius. Accessible parking spaces. All right, so for accessible parking spaces, there's two types of accessible parking spaces. There's car parking spaces and vans. Both of these need to be wider than a typical space. So the car parking spaces are required to be 96 inches wide minimum. A van parking space is required to be 132 inches wide minimum. When there's a 96 inch aisle next to a van parking space, a van parking space can be 96 inches wide. Accessible parking spaces need to have an aisle next to them that connects to the accessible route for the building. That aisle needs to be a minimum of 60 inches wide. An ADA parking space cannot have a slope over 1 in 48. The vertical clearance for van spaces needs to be 98 inches minimum. So how many ADA spaces do you need? This is in table 208.2 of the ADA standards. So when you have one to 25 parking spaces, you just need one accessible space. 
When you have 26 to 50 parking spaces, you need two. When you have 50 to 75, you need three. When you have 76 to 100, you need four. Basically, for the first 100 in groups of every 25, and then you count by 50s. So 100 to 150, you need five. 150 to 200, you need six. And then after 200, it goes by hundreds. And then, so for 200 to 300, you need seven. 300 to 400, you need eight. 400 to 500, you need nine. And then after 500, you need 2% to be ADA spaces. So then after 1,000 spaces, it's 20 spaces plus one per every 100. ADA site access. All right, let's talk about ADA site access. So when you're designing for pedestrians, you need to design an accessible route to your building. An accessible route is a continuous unobstructed path connecting all accessible spaces in a building. The minimum clear width is 36 inches. At least one accessible route shall be provided to an accessible building entrance from all accessible parking spaces, accessible loading zones, public streets, public sidewalks, and public transportation. The accessible routes need to be located near primary circulation paths. You can't just have the accessible routes off to the side. They need to be near the primary circulation paths. When there's no path for pedestrians to get to the main entrance, if it's only cars getting there, like say um, it's like a parking lot, um, but you know pedestrians would never be accessing from the street, you obviously don't have to provide an accessible path from the street if there's no other pedestrians that are going to be entering that way. You would just need the accessible path to go from the accessible parking spots in that situation. You know when you're on a sidewalk and there's that it ramps down when you cross the street? That's called a curb ramp. On either side of the curb ramp, you need edges that slope down. You know, you don't want to create a harsh edge where you could trip it you know it slopes down that's a flared edge the slope of that edge cannot exceed one in ten the top of that curb ramp needs to have at least 36 inches clear and it cannot be any narrower than the width of the ramp so we know that the width of a ramp the minimum width of a ramp is 36 inches so at the top of the ramp, you basically need a minimum 36 inch deep by 36 inch wide clear space. So I hope that wasn't too boring. Definitely be sure that you understand site access and site placement and in your test if you have questions about uh, where things should be or how people should be accessing your site as pedestrians or cars. Always think that you don't want people and cars. You don't want their paths intersecting. You want to keep service areas away, the loading docks. You want all of that away. You want the accessible route to coincide with the main pedestrian path as much as possible. You want the entrance where cars go to be away from intersections as much as possible to keep things safe. You want to make your parking as easy and logical as possible and if at all you get stuck if you have one of these questions and you get stuck just really think about it um i think everything we went over makes sense right that stuff that you could have if you just thought about it you would have 
realized all of those things on your own for the most part. So if you have a question that you don't know the answer to, just really think about it. Just think what makes sense. What would be the safest, easiest, most logical solution for this problem? All right. Thank you very much for listening. Until next time.